Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Lavender Gooms. Fun fact, Artem Lobov has beaten more championship boxers than Conor McGregor. Oh, snap. True. And finally, Kid Presentable. What about that guy who fought Kimbo but had to, like, wear pants and, like, where weighted ankle weights under those pants. What about that guy? How many how many championship boxers has that guy been? Dude, my favorite part about that guy is what he said he had like thirty pounds of ankle weights on, which I didn't. I don't know. You could even walk like that, man. It's a lot of ankle weights. My- I, I thought that was only something that Sun Goku could pull off, having ankle weights on and making that effective. Well, this dude, woo, you know, you wear those ankle weights, then right before it's time for action, you take them off and you fucking fly. And Kimbo hits you so hard. Bobby <laughs> doesn't know this, but he just that that's what happens in Dragon Ball Z. They take no, that's the that's the whole point of ankle weights, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like <laughs> our our our, uh, our our buddy uh Eddie, that dude he, he wore uh he wore the ankle weights in high school. <laughs> Why? Just because we're Dragon Ball Z fans. So so like, no, this I, is gonna work. No, I remember right? kids who played soccer, they would like wear ankle weights sometimes because they felt like, you know, now that they're free, you know, and the game time starts, they just fucking zoom around. It's entirely psychological. Like <laughs> You just stick it to Vegeta, Bobby. Yeah. Um, all right, boys and go- girls. As Mark told me today when we got to work, there was just a lot of fights on TV. And a lot of them weren't good. Um, and some of us paid for DAZN and spent a long time trying to find a title fight that apparently wasn't on DAZN. So we're going to have to talk about that, Bellator. You know, we're going to have to protest you or something. I haven't figured out what our solution to this is going to be yet. It was very weird. They're, yeah. they're out there, but not not easily. Yeah, and it was really nice that I got an offer for a free month of the zone, maybe like a day after Mike paid for it, you know, for us to share the account. So that was that was helpful. That was great. Um, we should be able to stack that. We should be able to stack that. Um, all right, boys and girls, the UFC had a card this past weekend in South Carolina. And South Carolina is the home of Wonderboy Thompson. And do you know what that means for the main event? Korean versus Brazilian. Um, real talk, there was more Koreans there than I expected, and people got emotional when the Korean zombie won, Steph. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, did they all just fly down from New York or something? Because that was an incredibly, like, Korean-friendly audience. Ma- but, might, um, maybe it's like Arabs in Michigan, where just they just happen to be there. Like, this yeah, is a I large mean, population. Have, like, these, these states where if you want to, like, immigrate to America, it's like, okay, you're a doctor, but isn't that like an Aziz thing? Well, no, like, uh, well, uh, well, I think it's a lot of it is just like, People get there first, and you slowly build a community, and it's like, oh, fuck it, man. If I go to this town, I'll know. I mean, I'm not saying South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina is like this for the South Korean community. We know nothing of the demographics. We are we're just guessing here. We are. We don't. We, uh, Mike and I know somebody who, like, is friends with Wonderboy Thompson, so we could get answers like this about the area. He's from South Carolina. We didn't do that research, though, Mike. And he is decidedly not South Korean. Yes, he is sure. not. Yeah. Um... 
But yeah, I'm on we're, 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 we're pretty off point right here because I basically this is to say that uh, basically I think he's personally my favorite fighter. I know we all got our guys. Um, I think Korean Zombie is the one for me, and that was a beautiful performance, especially after kind of a bit of an embarrassing knockout uh, in his last fight. Like he was gonna win that fight until he walked into a backwards up elbow, like a once in a lifetime knockout. Um, but man, did Korean Zombie bounce back! Like I think I said to you, Bob, that was just a textbook slip and rip. Mm. Like. You said like his defense was bad, but what the hell could he do? He ducked that jab so fast, and the moment that jab went out, he had like had the counter right over the top of it. It was beautiful boxing on display by Cruz. Yeah, Marcus, you can't really say Mokano got a bad chin because he got hit with all of that punch, and it still took a bit more to put him down. Uh, yeah, beautiful right hand. He he didn't go. You know, it wasn't a one hitter quitter. He had to follow up and get in position where he could finish the fight. But. Um, like Steph was kind of saying, and what I was alluding to earlier, Bobby, is uh, especially with a guy like um, Korean Zombie or uh, Justin Gaethje, these guys that have just been in these really taxing wars, which he was just in with uh, Rodriguez in his last fight, like Steph was mentioning. Um, I really like to see them come back and get a quick win without taking a lot of damage. You know, that kind of really boosts his career a bit. Um, and I was thinking, like, I, earlier today, I was like, man, I know he did this before where he had, a, he had kind of a war and he came back and it was against Mark Hominick. Right, he came back after a tough fight with Leonard Garcia, where he beat him with a twister, and he fought Mark Harmonic in his next fight, beat him in seven seconds, you know, KO in the first round, and this was very similar to that. You know, we don't always see this with Korean Zombie; he does tend to get into a lot of uh, wars and shootouts with guys, but it's good where these guys that are these action fighters that we love, they get a little bit more longevity and get probably a little higher paycheck when they can score these quick KOs without. I mean, really, I don't think. I can't remember. I didn't rewatch the fight. I don't think he took any damage. I don't think any stri strikes really landed on him. It's possible, but I don't remember anything at least substantial. Hitting well, him. What's the name of the people they use? Um, not CompuBox, the UFC uses. Help me out, oh, guys. Yeah, there's some strike counter. I don't know who they use. Uh, fight metric. There we go. Hey. I'll look. I'll look up and see if he got anything for fight metric. What it says about Moicano's performance. That's so we can kick the man a little bit when he's down here. Um, big win for the zombie man. He needed that. Stefan, um, I mentioned it to you. A lot of people saying they like the idea of Aldo versus Zombie 2. You just want Aldo. It just gives Zombie a title shot, huh? I mean... I'm like, let's fast track him. What what else is there to do in this division, in my opinion? I mean, like, I guess you got Edgar. Is He's technically on deck next. But after that, we don't need Aldo. I don't, the reason Aldo versus Zombie would be fun, but on the chance that Aldo wins... Does not absolutely nothing for the division because no one wants Aldo. No, Aldo's not getting another crack at Holloway, and I'm just I'm penciling Holloway in right now to beat Edgar. It would take something really wonky. I mean, we to happen. Like, I mean, we also Edgar have win. the actual number one contender, uh, Volkanovski. Yeah, but there's nothing sexy about that guy. So if there's someone that could get cut right ahead, it's Korean Zombie. Man, you I got that's an you. Got to feel for. Not a single person besides those of direct relation to Volkanovski would be mad if they heard Korean Zombie versus Max Holloway. That's a hot fight. Okay, okay, mad's not the right word, but the man just, he won a fight against Aldo, and then he had, he got like a blood infection and had to stay in like a Colombian hospital. I'm just saying, let's not screw the guy. He's had a, he's had a rough post-fight time. But I would say, I mean, I don't remember the rankings. I don't think Aldo was too. He just beat like the number two dude in the division, cl cleared him out in under a minute. That's I pretty mean, impressive. I mean, he beat the guy who Aldo beat just in Aldo's previous fight, though. That's true, but he was ranked lower, Bobby. I mean, because Aldo just lost like two months ago, though. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why are either of you guys talking like this is a sport? 
This is not a sporting. It's like who fights who? What women's championship contender just got booked out of nowhere? That Aldo we'll talk was, about later. Aldo's three, Moicano's five. Just Moicano, I, thought, I thought Moicano was two when they fought. I they, when who fought since just now, when fought, they did up, two they did update this shit that quickly. Come on, man, this is the UFC's shitty ranking. Okay, I'm sorry. Last updated June family 10th. and Bobby are standing for this man. Was it Anik on the broadcast? I I, I wasn't totally paying. No, attention. it wasn't. It was someone else. Um, it was Bisping oh, I, and oh, it was um, it was Bisping and fuck. Mike, who's the other commentators for the UFC? <laughs> the British guy. No, it wasn't the British no, guy. No, it wasn't. Okay, look, British. it's one of the newer guys. We'll figure out who he was later. Is the Todd Harris a thing? Say, <laughs> that see, that first? name doesn't mean anything to me, so it might be right. It might be wrong again. I'm not. Again, the point I'm trying to make was, I don't know if you guys caught this, but it was like right after a zombie's walkout, he was still clearly mic'd on air, but you hear him kind of giggle and mutter him to himself. He's like, that walkout's awesome. Like, it was such a yeah, fan. Yeah, he had a fanboy moment, yeah. and I'm like, this is what I'm saying, Bobby. The people want zombie. Why not fast track him to the title? It's an impressive win. A top five. I mean, let's just, let's, that's all it takes. Let's all just it takes make sure. An impressive well, let's just see if he's healthy. How about that? I mean, I man, would have man. to agree with Steph on that one. Look, you guys know I love the sexiness when it comes to MMA. And while I was out in Midtown Manhattan yesterday, I saw not one, not two, but three of that infamous Korean zombie shirt Damn. just walking around Midtown. All right. And I'm going to tell you this. You don't often see MMA shirts in general walking around New York City. And when I saw three of the same shirt, one from a dude that looked like he was Korean, one from a white dude, and one from a black dude, that is plate coverage, friend. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know how much money Korean Zombie made off not one, not two, not but three of those shirts, Mike? Nothing? Yeah, nothing, because that company screwed him and never paid him. Mike, how, yeah. where, well, what I'm trying to tell you is that people love the zombie. Leslie Jones took her, did her SNL uh, audition in that shirt. Uh, but how? Where's Max in all this? Is he hurt? Is is he game for Alexander? Max, Max is booked to fight Frankie Edgar. That's happening. Have have Alexander and Korean Zombie fight. Well, no, Jamie Stefan made a good point. We really want to kill a contender for no reason. Yeah, it's two contenders. You kill Alexander, it's like, well, you got fucking Korean Zombie. Kill Korean Zombie. This dude fucking deserves... If this dude beats Korean Zombie by out-hustling him for five fucking rounds, just give him the belt already. He beat Aldo. Give him a title shot. I mean, either one of them deserve a title shot. I'm just saying... They're going to wait around instead of fighting each other. Bobby, who the fuck are you? Let's see these guys Are they fighting? What is is this fucking... What is this fight? First of all, the UFC's not this organized. Everybody gets hurt. One of them is going to fight Max Holloway anyway in two months, whatever this fight is. Um, Whatever. Okay. You know what? One of those guys is getting a title shot, ideally, unless Frankie Edgar wins, in which the goddamn greatest fighter that ever lived, Henry Zahudo, is getting a title shot. Triple champ. All right? Triple. He doesn't need that shoulder. All I'm going to say is in a scenario where Frankie Edgar wins and then Zahudo fights him, we had a great fucking title fight with Max Holloway and Korean Zombie that we just shit all over and dumped down the toilet. That is awful. Okay, they already booked it. Max and Frankie are on a poster already. All right? That's booked. It's happening. All right? Zombie, sh- zombie should wait. If they tell him that he will get the next title shot, he should wait. Man, they're not organized. Liz Carmouche is getting a title fight. Like, <laughs> let's just... That doesn't matter. Stefan's made a good enough point. This isn't a sport. Uh, co-main event. Randy Brown. I said he was... Well, I didn't say he was good. I said I knew who he was. And now, Mark, you know who he is too now. Very much so. He really put himself on the map on this one. He um, was... 
I while you break down what he did to uh, uh, Brian Barberino while I try to figure out how tall that man was because he looked yeah, huge. No, I mean, this was a great strategy. I mean, a couple of big takeaways. Uh, one, I really am a big fan of Randy Brown after this performance. Um, the first two rounds, he did a really good job just controlling the octagon. Uh, always push. I mean, basically, he shut down Barbarino because he was always going forward. And the few times uh, Brian had the courage to kind of come forward and try to dictate the pacing of the fight, he couldn't find Randy Brown. You know, he was just too quick on his feet. He was getting out of the exchanges and countering to the point where Barbarino was basically on the back foot, pedaling back and forth, just trying to negate damage. In the second round, Barbarino had a good grappling exchange where he threatened with a guillotine, which was able to get Randy Brown to the ground for a second. And that might have been a that was a closely and the first two rounds were closely contested. I, I gave Randy Brown the first one. I think he just did a little bit more. He was definitely the aggressor. Brian Barbarino, like I said, in that grappling exchanges and some of the punches landed where he might have been able to steal the second round. So the other thing that I really liked, and I have to give credit to Michael Bisbing and his commentary because he picked up on this too. His corner was spot on. They told him the exact advice that he needed to hear. Basically, Randy Brown was asking him, like, do I need to win this last round to win the fight? And his corner was like, yeah, dude, you need to win. That You have to guarantee win this round to win this fight or finish this fight. They really put the urgency on him, even though he could have easily been up two rounds. That second round was really closely contested. And his corner didn't let him kind of get in that mindset that I can kind of coast through this and just do enough to get the win. I have to emphatically win this third round. And he fucking put the pressure on and finished Barbarino in the third. It was really impressive. And, of course, when you finish a dude with liver shots, you know you're. Yeah, I'm going to be a big fan of you. So, And that's exactly what he did in this fight. There's uh, two things. I remember that moment, Mark, in the corner. Like I just remember him saying it was the anti-Jake Shields moment. He's like, so no more grappling? And like, no yeah. more grappling. You're better. You have better hands than him. Just give it to Another him. Another good advice. They they spent a lot of that second round, which was closely contested, in the clinch up against the cage. And Randy Brown was doing fine there. You know, he was able to muscle his way out. But it was just like he's not doing nearly as well in the clinch as he would be in free motion. So, yeah, Steph, that was nothing but great advice between rounds two and three, which ultimately led him to finishing the fight. I mean, you have to give credit to the dude yeah. that's in there work. Um, and I just loved his combinations. There were so many times where Barbarino would... They would get in an exchange. Randy would throw a couple punches, and while Barbarino was trying to disengage and get out of range, Randy always threw a big front kick to the body, which was consistently landing because Barbarino just couldn't get out of that range. He couldn't. He he completely failed to negate the reach advantage he had. And Randy Brown, like we've seen so many lengthy, tall guys, knew how to perfectly utilize the advantages he had. He was throwing straight punches. He was throwing big leg kicks when he was out of range and comboing all that stuff. And a few times. When Barbarino was trying to get out of the pocket and get some space, he stayed on him. He got him a couple times against the cage where he was trying to back out and keep pressuring him. And that's ultimately what led to the finish. He hit him with a big front kick to the body, went to the head, and ultimately when he kept going to that liver, that was the golden ticket. And that was ultimately the punch that finished the fight. And it sucked. The the replay, you couldn't see it because the ref was in the way, and I think it didn't get analyzed well, but it was a liver shot that finished that fight. Yeah, Randy Brown, six foot three. Um, which is a massive welterweight. Barbarino is not a small welterweight, and I remember just watching the fight. Like he looks a weight class smaller than this guy. Um, and I couple, loved his swagger. He was uh, just so confident. Whole fight. Uh, Michael, I got some Randy Brown facts for you. Randy Brown fighting out of Queens, New York, so mm -hmm. kind of acceptable. Uh, mm -hmm. Nickname Rude Boy. I'm assuming he's Jamaican. Ah, uh, yes, he is. And okay. my favorite part. Um, his team is called the Budokan Martial Arts Academy. Uh, Budokan, uh, 
famously the Nippon Budokan in uh, Tokyo Indoor Arena, um, which famously housed uh, Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki like 40 years ago. Um, and just a shitload of concerts since then. Um, but yeah, I may, I just like that the, that he's, that he's training out of that team. And Marcus impressed by his, uh, corner, team's corner work there, huh? Got the job done for him. Um, a slight wag of the finger because uh, I kind of said I liked his little fanboy moment. Again, this announcer who I'm not sure who he was, uh, he had a bit of an awkward call moment in this fight. Uh, I can't remember the verbatim what he said, but it was like right before the finishing sequence occurred. It was kind of a Bobby-esque moment. He was basically painting like Barbarina, you know, his kids, he's doing it for them. He's going to push through. He's never going to give up. And right as he says that, he takes that shot to the liver that just kills him over and he never recovers from it. It's like right after he gives the spiel of like Barbarina is going to pull this one out for his kids. It's like, no, he's going to take the TKO for his children. Well, in fairness, he didn't give up. I mean, you get him the liver in the right spot. Your body's just done. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, no one chooses to get knocked out. It just happens to them. Now, it would have been even funnier if he had said that, and then less than 10 seconds later, Barbarito was tapping. Uh, commentator Brendan Fitzgerald. By the by. That's Five name. minutes later. Thank you, Bob. I, it took, dude, it, it was not easy. They kept trying to tell me John Gooden. I'm like, nope. And then it'll say Mike Goldberg. I'm like, nope. Definitely not we, him. We, we, I knew where Goldie was. He was on Bellator. Okay. Exactly. Jeez, that's a, Bella, uh, Goldberg and uh, John McCarthy is a weird combination. It is very weird. How, how's Goldie doing these days? Because I'm probably never going to see Bellator again. He's I'm, 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 I'm not on board with this uh, DAZN thing. So, you know, goodbye, Bellator. It was, a, it was a fun several years we had together. Honestly, Goldberg is Goldberg, man. I was one of the people who were like, not that I miss him, but I was very comfortable with the Goldberg-Rogan situation. I knew what we had. And, you know, he's just, it's all over. And then, yeah, you know, yeah, it, some it other guy. It's the same thing. The guy does what he does. They might as well just have taken the UFC soundboard and just bought They could have saved instead. the money. Yeah. That team. That team. I don't think he's really uh, fixing up new material for Bellator to distinguish himself. He is very much the same commentator. Hey, man, when you, when you go see Led Zeppelin, you want to hear Stairway to Heaven or you want to hear the new shit? John, uh, Mike Goldberg's here for the classics. Exactly. All right. Um, fight of the night or performance of the night. Zombie and I can't say this dude's name. I was gonna say take a stab at that <laughs> Jar- one, Bobby. Uh, Jarzinho Rosenstroik. That's like <laughs> it's like they combined a Brazilian name and like a Swedish name into it. That's not it can't work. No. Uh fight of the night, Darren Wynn and Eric Spicely, both of them broke. One of them more broke than the other. And they celebrated being not broke anymore. So props to these gentlemen. Um before we talk about Bellator, which really, I just, you know, I just want to complain about Bellator first. Screw it. Bellator. If you tell me something's going to be on the zone, and that's how you watch all your Bellator shit, you can't take the middle of the fucking card and just move it somewhere else. So I'm trying on the zone, trying to fast forward through a seven hour stream, trying to find Gegard Musasi losing to Rafael Lovato Jr. and getting nowhere. I mean, the TNA comparisons for Bellator are getting stronger, man. They can't even do this right. Just air the fucking fight. I paid money. Air the fucking fight. Marcus, you got anything to say about Bellator? I just wanted to complain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't... Uh, I, I did jump on the zone. And, and Bobby, I mean, if fair criticism there. You have to do your Wikipedia search. You have to know first. You have to know what you're buying. The zone does not have all the Bellator events. It just randomly gets some of them. And then some of them are still on Paramount. Um, and yeah, this weird 
Bellator London card split, I admit, is just a weird. I mean, mostly because I kind of want to see the Gegar fight. I really want to see Melvin Manhoff come back and see. He actually won a fight, so I'm super excited about that. Um, and I jumped in uh, to this card and watched a couple of the fights, but I was pretty early on the prelims. Um, so I didn't I didn't really stick around. I did watch the highlights later, and it looked like the Paul Daly Eric Silva fight was actually really cool. Um, but other than that, I didn't really catch a lot of these. Um, I think I saw Kate Jackson fight. She did great, but you know who's Kate Jackson? No one really knows. So, yeah, Bellator. Are they doing a show next week? Who knows? You think? Uh, let me see. I'm right there. I had to scroll down instead of up. Uh, no, <laughs> they're taking like a few weeks break. They're not back until the 12th. So we are not seeing Bellator until Julia Budd main events a card for them in Thacker. Bellator loves Thackerville, Oklahoma. Man, that's such a Bellator town. I didn't Ooh. hear. You. I didn't just mishear you. Right? Did I hear Julia Budd? Julia Budd headlining an event. Well, she's yeah. a fucking champ, man. Yeah, featherweight champion. Belt, Against six and zero Olga Rubin, Jesus Christ! I did mm-hmm. like I was watching the uh, <laughs> the highlights for Bellator. I think Bobby, you said you watched the highlights too. Or was it Mike? One of you saw it, right? Yeah, I saw highlights. <laughs> when they're going through one, they they fucked up one of the records. Or here's an asshole with his motorcycle. Um, they fucked up one of the records. They gave him uh, Gegard Musashi's record, and it was like forty and ten. And John McCarthy's like, "Well, I know that record's r- not right. This guy's three and one." <laughs> and it's, that was funny. But one of these dudes was like, I think he was like seven and seventeen, <laughs> and I was like, "Maybe you shouldn't be on television yet." No, see, that's who should be fighting Pico. All right, Pico like two and zero. Oh? That's who he should be fighting. That's a rough records. Um. All right, now let's talk about the real news of this past weekend. Because I've been saying it for a few months now that Pauli Malignaggi at, like, minus two-something was free money. Fuck me, man. The GOAT went out there, and he won. Um, Bare knuckle, fi- knuckle Fighting Championship 6, I think? Yeah. Um, Pauli Malignaggi sold the shit out of this fight with Artem Lobov. Spit on the man. Called him all sorts of names. Called us all dumb. Um, I was not paying attention to this, Bob, but I did hear one line of his during the like build up, and I was like, okay, that's a pretty good line. And it was, I like how he looked at Artem. He's like, I like money. You need money. I like money. You need it. You're broke. <laughs> I was like, like, I was like, that's good. That's well, good, Polly. <laughs> Polly literally said he thanked the stupid MMA fan base for making this fight a reality, and I'm like, he's not wrong. Fight happened. Uh, they went five rounds. It was a close fight, but it's like halfway through the fifth round. I'm like, Artem's winning. Artem's about to win this fight just by doing what Artem does. Aggression. Yeah, aggression. Literally wanting to win the fight more. Well, because Paulie was trying to do a stick and move thing, but then there was other parts where Paulie was just there, not there sticking was, and not moving and getting hit. There was <laughs> there was no sticking and moving where he was the offensive party. He was in this fight all the time was completely reactionary to Artem Lobal, which I mean, you know, I, I'm not the biggest boxing connoisseur and maybe that can win you rounds, but when one dude is consistently coming forward and I mean, and Paul, you know, he, he didn't get, he didn't get demolished. He didn't get, you know, but I, I, I was with you, Bobby. I thought, I thought he was going to chew up Artem. I mean, this is, this he is a champion, it's a champion boxer in a bare knuckle street fight against an MMA guy and not, you know, I mean, an MMA guy with short arms, like all Paul, should have been able to just dance around him the whole fight. Yeah, and there was really none of that. And a lot of it could be doing with, you know, not having gloves and not really, you know, wanting to take that risk of getting, 
you know, not even a clean shot, a grazing shot could cause a huge cut when you don't have pads and it's just bare knuckle. And that's what we see throughout this event, right? There's a lot of cuts. And, but yeah, I was really disappointed. I thought Polly was going to light him up. And I don't even care that he called me stupid because it's not like I like Artem and was like, rooting for that dude. I was rooting for this asshole who thought I was a shithead to beat up this other guy. And it just ultimately, I thought the fight was a little lackluster. I was hoping for some, some, you know, smash em ups. But, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, um, Mike, let's just be honest about why this, like, why this fight happened. Pauly Malinaji thought he could beat Conor McGregor's friend's ass and bait Conor McGregor into a boxing match because Pauly Malinaji, as good of a boxer as he was, he's, you know, we're on the end of the career. You know, he's trying to get a payday out of that thing. And he kind of, I think he embarrassed himself. Like, the fact that it was close was embarrassing enough to me, to be honest. Like, I was making jokes for months about, like, Artem should immediately kick him. There's no other way he was going to win. And then, like, man was a world champion, and he just got outclassed by, I mean, a man we jokingly call the GOAT. Well, someone's going to need to explain a bit more about bare-knuckle fighting me, because, frankly, it's bare-knuckle fighting, and I don't give a shit about it. Are you allowed to clinch in this? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. You just, like, I mean, you can't hold it. Eventually, the referee separates you, but, like, Guys will get like one arm clinches and throw uppercuts yeah, and shit. That, you know that's probably the biggest change in boxing. You can't do like the dirty clinch where you basically have your hand behind someone's head and throw uppercuts. And that's Chris Lieben's first fight. He knocked out a guy like that. It's like, well, that's all I'm doing in these things now. Um, yes, but but in like boxing, they they're pretty quick to separate on a clinch. Well, well, at at the risk of uh, you know, defending Artem Lobov, aka the uh, you know, the the play goat. Couldn't it be possible that considering that with bare knuckle fighting, the UFC gloves are going to be much more akin to what Artem is, has been doing for his whole career, whereas polly has been used to, what do they use in boxing, 12-ounce uh, gloves or, or 16-ounce gloves? I think it's 12. 12? I think you know, it's 12. Big 12-ounce big gloves, you know, the, the defense is different, obviously, and they don't have to worry about as much of a clinch as they would in bare knuckle fighting. Um, I and, mean, you know, the, the the striking just comes out differently for a boxer. So, couldn't you say that Malinaji probably thought it was going to be a lot easier? But Lobov has way more experience, even when it just comes to that type of fighting. Honestly, I don't think Pauly trained. If I'm being honest, I don't think he trained because, like, I mean, like if you think about, it, man's used to like avoiding punches from big ass boxing gloves. Like this guy has got like alligator arms. Like yeah. he, like he, he, I don't know. He was like literally just walking him down at times here. It was not great. I, I think to Mike's point, uh, and I, I get what you're saying, but I think the differences from their two respective sports into bare knuckle box. I mean, you're right. The, in boxing, you can use those gloves to protect yourself a lot better than you can with, uh, you know, MMA gloves or, you know, bare knuckle, but still the, the amount of time Artem has probably spent in his life in combat sports training tie clinches, training wrestling, training ground fighting. Paulie's been training just straight up boxing. I think he, there are some rule sets and some changes to the game that he has to prepare for, but they're a lot more minute than what Artem has to give up, right? Like everything he's learned about kicking doesn't apply here. Everything he's learned about ducking and weaving um, that would work in MMA works better in boxing than it would you know so i think I, there there is some rule adjustments and you know artem did have one bare knuckle fight so this wasn't a new sport to him he's had at least one fight in this type of you know combat sport so maybe he's a little bit more adjusted but 
I mean, look at Polly. Bobby, what was his boxing record? It was like it was something pretty good. It was like thirty-two and two or I mean, something. Thirty-six and eight, but a lot of that is like you know he got old at the end, like everybody else is, and he has like you know three and three in his last six. So like you know, he's like he's in his mid or late, like early forties, like forty-one. I thought I saw. Or he's thirty. No, he's, he's not that old. He's thirty-eight. But he's. I mean, that's old for boxing, man. Not everybody's yeah. Mayweather. <laughs> Well, the, the, the longevity in MMA has gotten kind of too ridiculous. I mean, it's the thing is, like, he didn't, it wasn't like he went out there and lost to, like, a good MMA striker. Look, I'm, I feel like maybe I'm being a little harsh here, Stefan. I mean, you didn't watch the fight, but knowing what you know about Artem Lobov and knowing what you know about Pauli Malignaggi, we're not the biggest boxing fans in the world, but in a close to a damn pure striking bout, like, Artem should have lost. Like, Pauli was talking about he better win handedly. Oh, no, I'm with you. Uh, again, I didn't watch it, but these were my expectations. I don't know a lot about Polly. It's a recognizable name. I didn't. I can't admit I watched any of his heyday. But, yeah, the if it was even close, that was going to be a disappointment. And then I saw that he lost. I was like, holy, holy shit. Like, that's bad. This guy, Artem is a bad MMA striker. I saw a little bit of highlights, and it is just wild hooks. Like, there is no technique to what he throws. You know, it's just like he doesn't care if his hands hurt and he just flails his arms at you. It's very Bart Simpson attacking uh, Lisa with the windmill arms. That's kind of what his boxing looks like to me. Um, I will say this because uh, I didn't expect it. I, I, all I've known Polly is to talk a mountain of shit. He's been very combative with the MMA community because he's trying to provoke Conor McGregor. Uh, I don't know about what happened at the post-conference. I will say he was incredibly gracious at the decision. Um not an ounce of like anger or complaints about the decision. Uh, he hugged. It looked like yeah. Oh, that was, oh, there was a, there was a lot of complaining after. Came came oh my god, there was yeah. a ton of it. He thought all he right, didn't he get a fair shake. He was he was gracious at the end of the fight. Oh, they were all buddies. Well, they were set down. They were friends yeah. at the end of the fight between him and Artem. Because I mean, what was the what was the famous Dan Severin line? I don't know Dan Severin, Don Fry, Mark, when he said that about um the feud with Shamrock, where he's like. Man, if you fight a man for 15 minutes and are still angry afterwards, there's something wrong with you. Or something like that, a line like that. But, like, after you go to fight with a guy, it's kind of done. Um, no, I thought he embarrassed. Honestly, like, Connor didn't even say anything. That's the best part here. He didn't even warrant Connor shit-talking him. Like, um, I feel there's no way this could have gone worse for Polly. Honestly. He could have gotten knocked out in a minute. You could have at least been like, oh, he got hit with a lucky punch. I mean, yeah, he's lost all momentum. At best, he has a rematch with Artem Lobov in the future, but whatever. Like, yeah, he, uh, he's lost all momentum. If he, I didn't think he would ever get this Connor fight, but any chance he was going to get it, it's probably out the window. If I can give you guys a, a stat just to really throw the salt in the wound for poor Polly, um, he is 2-0 in bare knuckle fighting now. He was never more than two Two wins above losses in an, in his MMA career. Artem, you're talking about? That's correct. Okay, so you said Polly, and I was like, well, I was a little confused. I'm just like, Polly got a. Sorry, I, I, I was speaking in, in reference to uh, the guy he lost to Artem Lobov. Yeah, Artem. Like, and I look. We're, we're I don't. We're bad. We're being a little bit tough on Artem here, but the man is literally a, a 13 and 15 fighter. Like he's a losing record. Don't forget the yeah. tie. And I, I mean, mean he's. Of a journey, man. I mean, it's not it's not even like a Mark Hunt like 500 record where you lost a bunch of good guys. Granted, Mark Hunt lost some not so good guys either. But this I mean, was, uh, no, I mean, like Artem's run in the UFC, it's like LeBron's deal with the Lakers, right? He's just given his buddy jobs. Like Connor, yeah. he, Artem had a job. Artem is James buddy. Jones, all right, for box basketball fans out there. He is James Jones, okay? So what he is. Um, 
yeah, um, that was not a good look for the man. Oh, co-main event, Chris Lieben uh, against uh, Dakota Cochran. Dakota Cochran, if the name sounds familiar, is the man who tried out for the live Ultimate Fighter, um, who had a past in gay pornography. Um, it's worth mentioning he tried out for the tough season at 155 pounds. Chris Lieben made his bones fighting at 185 pounds. And then this, like, this fight starts, and immediately in my head, I'm like, doesn't Chris Lieben have a heart problem? And I'm Googling this. I'm like, yeah, he does. Great. We're, we're not addressing this? Okay. And then Chris Lieben just got beat up by the younger guy. I think that's the best assessment I can give you, Mark. I mean, I, I watched it, and it was it was one of those fights. Where I, I mean, like if he was fighting guys his own size, he was going to get put out. Yeah, That's what and I, I wasn't I wasn't like judging the fight. It seemed closely contested. I, I don't I don't remember Lieben just getting like completely demolished, but he's definitely the older guy in there. Um and luckily, it's just like one of those things. Like, I'm just glad he didn't. He's not dead. Right? Yeah, that, he that, that, that's how they're. That's the medicals at bare knuckle. They just take the guy with the heart problem and fight a guy who's 30 pounds lighter than him. Let's imagine that's, he got cleared. Why? Why would you imagine that? What about what happened that night made you think anybody was cleared by anything? Because <laughs> what's Stefan? What's that doctor's name in The Simpsons? Oh, Doctor Nick. Yeah, I can't imagine that is based off a real doctor that Bellator or bare knuckle fighting can go to, and they're like, you know what? Fatty foods is actually good for you, so you're perfectly healthy in this fight. Man, I'm looking at Artem's record, and I'm like, he beat Taruto. Do you remember when for like 20 minutes Taruto was a thing? Like, How was he a thing, or did we just really hope he would be a thing? Man, other people enjoyed the cookie party comments too. Um, he is. Has he not been cut? He has lost five yeah, of six lost. in the UFC. You know what? I, if, there's got to be a card in Asia coming up. And if he's not on it, that means he's been cut. Um, all right. Uh, real quick. Um, apparently they booked Valentina Shevchenko against, um, Ms. Liz Carmouche. Um, and that fights on August 10th in Uruguay. If I'm not mistaken, someone please fact check me. Um, worth mentioning that uh, Valentina does have a loss to uh, Liz Carmouche. Her first ever career loss. She's got two losses to Mana Nunez, one to Liz Carmouche. Um, they're going to fight in Uruguay, which I'm pretty... Isn't there something like... like why does... Uh, is there some connection with uh, Valentina and Uruguay? That's really what I'm getting to. I know she's from Kyrgyzstan and she speaks Spanish, but I think that's a Peru thing. Oh, so yeah. did they just decide to go to Uruguay for shits and giggles? Uh, my believing is they're trying to match up. There's a guy who's like from around there who won with the Argentinian guy that they've been trying to give a main event slot. Um, I know they're trying to put them high up. On I mean, the you got, someone help me out here with South American geography. How close is Uruguay to Peru? That's got to be part of this year, right? I know they're both in South America. Yeah. Okay. Bobby, gonna, why are we barking up this tree? We're not geography. I'm, honestly, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out their their booking here, man, because well, it's uh, a new area. Yo, That's Bobby, what it says on Wikipedia. Uh, you know what? It's close Bobby, enough. I'm here thinking we're Carmen San Diego or some shit, man. We don't know geography. <sighs> Great. Got like ten degrees between us, but sure. Bobby, we're Americans. <laughs> we got like ten <laughs> degrees. Okay? Americans, we gotta know. We got about, advanced like, degrees in here. We got nothing. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Valentina. Uh, uh, she's Kyrgyzstani Peruvian. Let's send her to fucking Uruguay. Um, so what I need to do is spend the next week slowly convincing, six weeks slowly convincing Mike to pick Liz Carmouche. That's uh, 
That's my decision. That's my that's my goal right now. Mike, how close are you in terms of picking Liz Carmouche? Give me percentages, Liz Carmouche. Percentage, Valentina Shevchenko. Well, like I told you uh, before the podcast started, we would need to work out a uh, like bonus tiebreaker points in case uh, we both end up with the same record. I mean, I'm gonna be up like six games or six wins by the end of this year for you over you, but yeah, sure, man. Uh, Bobby- this tiebreaker point because he's basically just giving up a yeah uh, man a- sure yeah tiebreaker no problem weird hypothesis nope. <laughs> mike thinks somehow you guys are going to tie at the end and weird you know thing. what in fairness the, the ways we've won this i beat stefan by one game one year and stefan beat mike by one game two of the two of the three championships have been defined decided by one game it was because when i won it wasn't even close i'm assuming and, i can't remember. and let me tell you something mark if I end up getting some tiebreaker points and me and Bobby are tied going into December, you know what I'm going to start doing? Just picking all of Bobby's people. So let me tell you, man, I'm the one who's dick who's driving the the, the train, uh, driving the car here. Mike will be picking first every single fight when it comes to <laughs> December. If this is close, if this is close, Mike is picking first every single fucking time. Right, and, then, and then you know what I'm going to do right after that, Bobby? After you go write I that pick, article, Bobby. Right after you pick, I would be like, yo, you know what? I've had a change of mind. You know, Mike's I'm about to get Mike's about guy. to be demoted from administrator on the uh, on the website to view access only you can just look at that shit <laughs> um uh, so two things um uruguay is in the southeastern part of uh south america and no i'm nowhere near close picking liz carbouche <laughs> okay fair hey, enough give, give us a percentage mike and each week we want to we want to check in with you and see if that percentage has gone up well bobby would have to sweeten the pot a bit more but right now we'll put it at a five percent oh i'll give you Hey, Bob, you already got 5%. You you gotta do what I do in these moments. You just gotta start building a narrative in your head. You just gotta start building that narrative. Make yourself believe. You watch the embedded. You see a good workout. You gotta make yourself believe. Do you know what I send Liz Carmouche workout videos and all the times she won? The video where she beats Valentin. Dude, she almost had Rhonda in that, uh, what was that that she had her in? Like the neck rank? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah um, but do you remember their their fight camp when she was gonna fight Ronda? She was like training at like a regular gym, like not an MMA gym. It was like a regular gym. The Some garage. random like Filipino dude was her coach. Like, yeah, was, like, oh, she was she like just mopping the floor with like, and I'm gonna fight for the UFC women's belt, the first one ever. And it's like, oh man, we need to get these girls some paychecks. Come on. So um, now I'm looking at some. I'm trying to see if I can find the betting line on best fight odds. Can't find it. But something interesting I see is that Jessica Andrade is minus one eighty only against. Whaley is I don't know say her name Whaley Zhang, um that seems real close, like really 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 close. Another interesting one here is that Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis are basically a pick'em, considering Nate Diaz has not fought in two years. It might be longer. It might be three years, to be honest. Um, couple interesting betting lines over here. Uh. You can still bet on Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. I don't think that's happening. That's man, Khabib's a bigger favorite over Connor than uh, DC is over Brock. What kind of bullshit is that? Um. Okay. Uh. Let's pick some fights, guys. What do you Sounds think? Sounds good. Um. All right. The UFC this weekend is on ESPN. One of my two TVs will be on this card. The other TV will be on Fighter Fest, which I will talk about towards the end here. Um, I'm just going to preview AEW card stuff on until I'm bored of AEW. So I'm thinking roughly when the TV show starts. Um, there you go. So main event of this card was supposed to be Tyron Woodley, Robbie Lawler, five-round rematch. 
was probably going to be a big win for either one of them. Um, UFC booked this fight with run Tyron Woodley's hand was broken, thinking, no, it'll work out. And then Tyron Woodley's hand's still broken, so it, it didn't work out. Um, such a UFC move. Um, and when they lost that fight, uh, did the UFC find a replacement fight, Stefan? Uh, no. Cause well, why, why would, would you? Do that? The tickets, you already, you already sold tickets with that other name on there. The UFC's in Minneapolis. They haven't been there. So yeah, no one's given a shit about the UFC in Minneapolis since Sean Shirk was on the card. So yeah, fuck it. People showing up anyway. Um, main event, a fight that, um, I think we talked about it last week. One of you said, how has this not happened yet? Uh, Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos. Um, I think a fight that was danced around getting booked about five times. Finally got booked. Uh, betting odds for this fight is someone's got it. Hopefully, I got it. Yeah, uh, Big Francis is minus two fifty with Junior coming in at plus two ten. Junior's last uh, couple fights. Let's see. Junior's coming in. Junior's on a streak, man. Junior's got three wins in a row. Two of them knockouts. Um, Big Francis. Um, last time we saw him, he murdered Cain Velasquez. Just put him down. Twenty sent Junior Cain Velasquez to NXT. That's how hard he hit him. Um, before that, knocked out Curtis Razor Blades. Really turned things around since that horrible Derek Lewis performance. Um, Junior Dos Santos, big underdog. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going Francis. I've been watching Junior Dos Santos fight for ten years now. And he has not addressed the fact that my man just goes backwards, chin up, hands down. And that shit works against Mark Hunt, but uh, Francis Ngannou's got like a eight-foot reach. So if someone was going to get him and hit him in that exchange, in that time, it'd be Francis. Uh, if Junior is smart, he tries to wrestle a little bit because he's not a terrible grappler at all. He's not a bad offensive wrestler either. Um, but Junior will probably get in a pissing match and end up in a firefight. So I got Francis putting him down. Stefan? I'm in the same boat. I actually kind of looking at, at the fights we're picking. I'm pretty sure it's going to be an uninteresting article. I think we're all going to be on the same side across all three of these fights. Um, but yeah, Francis, he seems to have exercised whatever demons that he had coming out of that bad title fight against Stipe. Like, you know, he had the awkward fight with Derek Lewis, right? And we're like, okay, something seems a little off with him. And then he just really bounced back after that, right? Uh, enough to convince some of us to pick Curtis Blades, even though we had seen how that fight went. And I don't think it got any better in the second one. So, um, yeah, he, he looks great. I love Junior. I was actually riding his uh, little recent fights because I kept doing this whole uh, don't pick against guys whose shirt I own. But that can only carry you so far before uh, another guy whose shirt I should own because Francis is awesome. Marcus, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with everything Stefan said, including the us all picking the same guys, because uh, it's kind of tough to pick Dos Santos. I mean, he is riding uh, a good three-fight win streak, but when you look at his recent losses, they've all been TKO. So I think we're all starting to question just how good Dos Santos' chin is, especially at heavyweight, where, I mean, anyone can get knocked out, but we haven't seen that from Francis. Francis's losses have been against Stipe, who basically you know outlasted him, uh, and then picked him apart in the later round, utilizing grappling, like uh, you said uh, Dos Santos should utilize here as well. Um, and then the, the Derek Lewis fight was just a weird anomaly where he didn't really do much of anything. Um, the, my, my hot take on this one, and I kind of told you about it earlier, Bobby, I think, it, and on paper, this looks like a fireworks kind of fight. I think this might end up being kind of boring. I am not outside of the idea of both these guys being a little gunshot because they know the other one can throw heavy heat. Um, and we know, and I think both of them do really well when they have aggressive fighters coming at them that they get the counter opportunities. 
So um, I'm hopefully I'm I'm not hoping for that outcome. I want this to be a fireworks show. I want this to be over in the first round. And I'm guessing if it plays out like that, Nuganu has a really good chance of wrapping it up. Um, but I also kind of think Dos Santos isn't going to do anything stupid. He knows he has a five round fight ahead of himself with a guy that you know when we've seen him go five rounds, it hasn't ended well for him. So I think he might be looking to take into deep waters and by doing that, kind of slow down and not burn himself out early on. Yeah, Junior. Junior's had a bunch of five round fights, actually. Um, a this whole bunch of only main events. I mean, he I've seen him put a 25 minute beating on people a bunch of times. Um, Mike, uh, before your pick, let's just recognize if this gets to round three, all the rounds that follow to follow that probably Junior's rounds, right? Like Francis has got to Francis has got to do damage early in this one. Yeah, I agree. If it gets to round four and five, that probably isn't going to spell anything good for for Nganu. but i guess the real question is will it get to the fourth and fifth round uh junior does have a bad tendency to to go backwards and not offer much defense for for his head and that could pose a lot of trouble um for him against Nganu. i mean we all saw that picture last week where Nganu was right next to shaquille o'neal and he looked like a child but let's remember that's Shaquille O'Neal, who's like 7'3". Nganu is a big, big boy. And Your takeaway was that he looked like a child? I'm like, I know how fucking like big Shaq is. Honestly, I thought Nganu was bigger than I thought he was, man. <laughs> I'm like, he's not as big as Shaq, but he's a really big man. Like, my takeaway was that these two gigantic men, that one saying, of them is a child. I'm just saying that. If you look at the proportion of the heights, it looked like you know, like wow, he's so small. But you know, he's not small. Like, we, we need a picture. We need a picture. Shaq is all right. I was gonna say we need a picture of me standing next to Shaq to get you all some perspective. All right. <laughs> Though a Shaq did one time suffer that embarrassing defeat to Aaron Carter. That's the that's the mark on his legacy. Uh, that that was a thing. In case you guys are wondering, Stefan is referring to the "That's how I beat Shaq" scene. Oh, everybody knows, Carter. Mike. People everybody, know, how people know that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does that. But oh. anyway, uh, I think Ngannou will probably catch uh, Dos Santos with with an uppercut while he's going back against the cage. For some reason, I do have that. I Dude, have I, that I have that in my head too, Mike. Image in my head. Oh, like Junior going backwards, backwards. Junior gets hit. Junior on the ground. Fight over. That's I, that. I got that too. <laughs> I mean, Francis Ngannou is like one of the few guys we've seen win by Mortal Kombat, like down, heavy punch, uppercut. Like when he, who did he get that? Oh, the Overeem one. Where he straight up decapitated him. We know he's got that uppercut. Uh, so, clean sweep. sweep it. Clean sweep. Co-main event. Um, I was talking about it with Mark earlier today. Juicy Formiga and Joseph Benavidez, the top two contenders for the 125-pound championship. And the champion just had shoulder surgery. I'm just saying, if they told these guys to fight five rounds and there's a belt on the line... Real easily, we could have interim title fight here. Um, the people that Mike, stop watching the women wrestling. Have some self control, my friend. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> I heard a bell ring, so I was like, "What's going on?" Oh, okay, fine. Um, we record this podcast with Mike having Monday Night Raw in the background and deciding occasionally is it worth his time to watch it, it or not. It distracts him, and it distracts me because I'm looking at it on the back. Like, well, how in, do fairness, in fairness, you guys get to watch it way more than I do because it's always right over my left shoulder. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, Juicy Formiga, Joseph Benavidez. Um, I'm going to put it on Front Street right now. I'm picking Joseph Benavidez. I have no faith in Juicy Formiga. You know how long Juicy Formiga has been in the fucking UFC? 
this entire weight class started to came to existence. They signed him. Do you guys remember doing rankings for 125 and we didn't know anybody? Yep. We're just picking dudes from Shuto and what was the fucking place Ian McCall was champion of? Mark, help me out. Uh, Tachi Palace. Yeah, that shit, that shit in fucking Temecula, that Indian casino. Like, Formiga's been around that long, and it's like, he still hasn't gotten a title shot. And I don't, I feel he cares less about it than I do. He's won four in a row. He's losing. What's the betting line? It is uh, Formiga at plus 155 to Joby's minus 175. It's closer than Bobby would have you believe. Well, yeah, no, you know what it is? Because I'm, I'm, I'm probably unreasonably harsh on the man. And Benavides has been doing this a while. Um, Benavides, 34 years old, actually younger than I thought he was. His only loss in his last one, two, three, four, five, six. One loss in his last nine fights was a split to Sergio Pettis. At some point in there, he beat Henry Cejudo. Uh, also important to note, he he beat Juicy Formiga. So I mean, this yeah. is, they're running back. He already won this. Oh fight. yeah, he and he beat his ass. Round, so it's not you know he beat his ass. Joseph Benavidez beat everybody in this weight class. All right, Mighty Mouse is gone. He's beaten all these other guys. Um, yeah, I got Benavidez. That's just Mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for all the reasons you said, but mostly stylistically, when these guys you know lock horns again, and I haven't seen a bunch of Formigas fights, I have a hard time believing he's really revolutionized how he fights. He has a very stern way of how he fights. You know, he's very technical on the feet, but really his game is to get in the clinch, get an inside trip takedown, and control you on the ground. And you know, he he's a very good top ground fighter and he you know against lesser guys he can advance positions and and win fights with submission i don't think benavidez is that type of guy that i think formiga is going to be able to dominate him in the clinch even more so seeing how he won that first fight a knee to the body to punches basically says that they were in the clinch before and not only did he not succumb to formiga's takedown defenses he was able to damage him and finish the fight um and ultimately when they're just standing i think uh benavides is going to have the better hands he's more dynamic on the feet i think he's a little flashier when it comes into step-ins to to get into range um and then the wrestling i don't think for is going to be able to take him down and get in that top position um yeah so i have uh benavides in this one this is his 14th ufc fight in seven years and if you ask me to describe Josie formiga's style i'd be like generally uninterested would be his description of the way he goes about things. Tactical to be a little nicer, but honestly, sure. like I mean, look, I mean, I'm being harsh here. He, look, all these guys whoop my ass 17 different ways from Sunday. I'm just saying, I feel I should care about their fight more than you do. And Formiga really, the look on his face and the way he fights is like this guy is just like, hey man, I'm just here. It's just like uh, Gegard Musashi, like, like this guy doesn't have a, emotions. He doesn't emote with his face. Yeah, because then Gegard goes and well, generally beats the other guy. I would uh, say Gegard fighting sounds a lot more uh, entertaining. <laughs> Mike, what do you got for this one? Yeah, so I got Joseph Benavides with this one as well. Um, he has been, if not the, the the third best, for sure, the second best 125 in the world for, for a long time. And uh, I have Joseph Benavides being able to, you know, dominate him on, on the stand-up. And, you know, Formiga, he's been around a long time. Uh, he's won four fights in a row. Um I wish I could tell you I really remembered any of the fights, but um, I don't know if that's a factor of him being boring or me just be me just missing his fights. But I'm gonna go with Benavidez because when it comes to Formiga, the Juicy A just isn't worth the squeeze. 
I mean, we're doing, this podcast has existed for Classic. six of those six of those seven years. Mike has definitely made that joke before. There's no way he hasn't. I think he was. You think it took a Suka took Mike six years to come up with that pot with that fucking no. Sorry, he this podcast has existed seven years. The entire time this guy's been in the UFC, Mike had fourteen times to come up with that. He didn't. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I was just filibustering because I just wanted to have some lead up before I said the juicier wasn't worth the squeeze. Yeah, you said a whole bunch of nothing, and then you're like juicier worth the squeeze, (laughs) and that was worth it right there. Yeah, it was. It paid off. Um, Stefan. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, nice to, that I'm picking last because I think kind of how I see this fight is a good transition into the last fight we're picking after this. But um, this fight's very simple to me. Formiga is one of those guys. He is the fighter that he always is. There's guys that he's better than and there's guys that he's not. Um, that sounds like a simple like breakdown, but that is, it's very true. There's guys he can grapple and guys he can't. And that determines everything in his success and win rate. And he's a pretty high quality grappler, probably one of the best jujitsu guys in this weight class. But um, yeah, he doesn't really have a complete enough game to make things, you know, he doesn't have a plan B let's say. Um, And Joby's just better than him. We've seen it. Mark broke it down. Um, But yeah. And then, but I I basically think he's just a small Damian Maya. There's guys that Damian Maya can grapple. And when he does, wow, it looks really great. And what does every single guy look like when he can't grapple them? It is, like some of those most futile matches in UFC history, be it against Anderson Silva, be it against the historic record of failed takedowns he had against Tyron Woodley. Same thing happens to Formiga. When he looks bad, it looks really bad because he can't do the only thing that he can do. Yep. Um, Stefan lead it and let, let us into it, guys. We have a clean sweep on that one. Damien. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the line. Uh, Damian yeah. Maya. Minus one seventy, Anthony Rocco Martin plus one fifty, basically a flip okay. of the other fight. This Anthony Rocco Martin shit, because Mark and I were trying to figure out who this guy is, and then we're like, Mark's like, oh my god, he's had like ten UFC fights. It's because dude's name was Tony Martin, and then like I've heard that name, not that I remember anything he's done, but at least I'd recognize the name. And to Anthony Rocco Martin is, this is like when that guy on the Marlins, he's on the Marlins anymore. What team is Stanton on now, Mike? I don't watch enough baseball. Mike, help me out. Oh, sorry, I was muted. The Yankees. Okay, yeah. Remember when Stanton was called, like, Mike? Wasn't it Mike Stanton or something? Mike Stanton. And then, like, five years in was like, I'm Giancarlo. This isn't that egregious. He went from Tony to Anthony Rocco, whatever. But I had a real moment of confusion with Mark, like, who is this guy? What's happening? Doesn't matter. He's taking on on Damian Augusto Maya Batista. My guy, Damian Maya. Um, 41 years old, here to strangle, baby. Uh, strangled Lyman Good back in February. Gonna strangle this kid too. Damian Maya, he's got this. Mike, what do you got? Have some nuts, Mike. Come on. <laughs> Have some balls, Mike. Have some balls. <laughs> I love it when Bobby can goad me into. He got four in a row. Four uh, in a row. Hey, hey, hey. I was actually gonna go for him anyway because I think Damian Maya is done. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm not disagreeing it. with you. I'm not disagreeing with Damian Maya being done. I just don't think this guy's going to beat him. <laughs> um, Stefan, yeah, I'm assuming you're going Damian Maya. Yeah, this is the inverse of the uh, Formiga pick for me. There's This is a guy Maya's better than. I, I tried to research this guy because the name wasn't familiar. Um, it seems like his background's in jiu-jitsu. Most of his wins come from decision or submission. Uh, he got a head kick in there recently, but uh, he seems to be a jiu-jitsu guy and I can't see that being your avenue to victory. There's a lot of avenues to victory over Damian Maya. Being better at jujitsu is not really one of them. 
Join me, Mark. <laughs> Sadly, I'm not. Um, but w- we've seen this fight play out, and I, you know, I, I have to give credit to, to Mike for taking the pick because we basically, when you look at Martin's record, it is it's pretty impressive. He has a lot of wins. He's coming off a lot of wins, and he's sprinkled in some losses here against uh, against what I would consider like middling mid car kind of fighters. So it's really is his recent as his recent streak kind of been him evolving as a fighter and he's ready for the upper echelon which he hasn't really fight a guy you know kind of the caliber of Damian Maya before um you know is he ready for that you know or is Damian Maya like Bobby and Mike alluded to is he kind of done um I'm, I'm less in that camp uh he did come off three losses but when you look at the guys Woodley uh Kobe Kobe Covington and then Usman I mean those are all one a, a certain stereotype of wrestler boxers, right? Which I don't think this Tony guy is. And two, they're like the top, each of those guys, they all have belts or they had belts, right? Um, so they're definitely of a different caliber than uh, Martin is here. So I don't know, you know, is Martin ready for the tops? Is he going to be able to take my, I- I'm well, not betting on it, but this, this is the chance for him to really break out. Well, I mean, let me give uh, some credence to Mike's pick here because um, Steph, the last guy that uh, Tony Martin beat is Sergio Marais who's got a shitload of world championships in jiu-jitsu. Doesn't mean he's as good as Damian Maya, but, I mean, yeah, he, and, got, it means something. It means something, but that's kind of why I feel confident picking Maya, is you only took Sergio Moraes to decision. Uh, he's chinny. He has absolutely no stand-up, and his takedowns are very desperate. Um, he's a more one, one-sided one version of Damian Maya, if that's possibly a thing. Like, if you couldn't finish Sergio Marais, that says something about your skill set to me as well. So that's probably that's kind of why I'm in the camp of this guy's not ready yet. It's worth mentioning also, Damian Maya is a uh, pretty decent sized welterweight. Man fought for the 85 pound title. Too. The other thing is, when he first dropped down, right, we just saw him throw people to the ground. Like Rick Story, he just kind of shoved him over and squeezed the juice out of his. You head. better be a really good wrestler, basically, if Damian Maya's not going to just put you on the ground and choke you. Like Mark said, he, all those guys he, had belts. He did that shit to Carlos Condit, I remember. I remember Carlos Condit was half done, but like he just put him on the ground and choked him. We're like, oh, okay. That, that's it. We're it's done like here. There's, there's guys he's better than, and there's guys he's not. It's, there it's, was a, it's a giant valley either direction. I remember someone said like the, the, the win streak leading up to the uh, Woodley title fight, he'd been hit like four times or some shit like that. Like some obscene, like ridiculous stat like that. Um, there's other fights on this card. Um, a bunch of recognizable names, but none of these things really stick out too much. I like watching Eric Anders fight in general, just because he gets tired about four minutes in, and he sticks around though, and he just throwing heat for the next you know two rounds after that. Um, Junior Albini is the one where the diaper shorts that guy. Um, Drew Dober is way too big of a favorite over Marco Polos Reyes. Was like minus three something stuff we were looking at earlier. Yeah, it's like it's high three hundred right now. Yeah, I, I don't really remember Polo Reyes besides the ridiculous name. That's all I got with that guy. Yeah, and then Paul Craig. Paul Craig's like on every other card. That's just my takeaway from Paul Craig. I feel like I read his name a lot. Not Jewish goes by Bear Jew. Still makes me uncomfortable. He just liked the movie, man. He just liked the movie. Um, yeah, that's the UFC's card this weekend. Um, where they are in, I don't think I even said where this card is. Uh oh yeah, Minneapolis. If Sean Shirk isn't in the front row, 
All right. I need to see UFC, not Hall of Famer. I don't think he is. Sean Shirk, man who was the lightweight champion. I mean, his most famous highlight to me is when BJ Penn called the fight. <laughs> like, you're done. I need you. You're done. You don't want to fight anymore. That's what BJ Penn, to call him out, was, Sean Shirk, you're dead. And you're like, oh, shit. BJ's getting right into it, folks. <laughs> BJ had more death threats, I feel, than any other UFC fighter. I mean, he, a lot of the, we like him. He's, all, he's a man who literally licked blood of his opponent off his gloves. It's yeah. uh, it's not for show, ladies and gentlemen. That's not for show. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's this card this week. Um, bigger card is next week, just real quick. Woo! Jones Jones is going to beat up Tiago Santos, probably. Nunes and Holly home for that title, for the 135-pound title. Masvidal at Ben Askren. Ben, um, is that the best you got, Askren? Uh, Steal, yep. uh, what is it, Bobby? What's that expression? A uh, snatch of victory from the jaws of defeat. Defeat from the jaws of victory. Snatch Whichever of one that he does su- successfully. Um, Jan Blachowicz versus Luke Rockhold. Uh, Diego Sanchez, Michael Chiesa. That's the main card. Uh, Gilbert Melendez, Arnold Allen's on the prelims. Uh, so is Claudia Gadelia versus Randa Marcos. Uh, Chito Vera lost his opponent. Oh, yeah, Sean O'Malley. Had trace amounts of something he failed for like seven months ago. And I guess he's not going to get cleared in time. Anyway, that's next week. But this card, this card this weekend, a little iffy. Um, let's do, uh, let's do stuff we like. Um, I, uh, I'll go first. Um, so are you guys aware of the SB Nation YouTube channel? Looking at Mike specifically, because I think this is right. A lot of these are right up Mike and Stefan's alley. Mark will, could give a shit, I think, about most of these. They have a whole bunch of series on there. And, like, there's themes. Like, they have one that's just called Beef History, which airs, like, 10-minute yeah, episodes. That's their, that's their best one. Yeah. Yo, yo, Beef History is awesome. They just take some feud in sports. I caught on to it because I saw the John Jones-Daniel Cormier one, which I'm like, as an MMA fan, I'm like, all right, let me see how close we are to what happened. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, they got all of it. That's it. The they got everything I saw where I was like, fuck, I was a child during this, but this drama is juicy. It was the uh, Jim Jackson versus Jason Kidd feud in Dallas over Tony Braxton. Dude, I didn't like, even know the Tony Braxton I part. Like, <laughs> I was like, so that's why that Dallas team broke up? But yeah, no, that's like, great. I like uh, Chris Paul's got multiple epi- multiple episodes in there. You got Chris Paul, Rajon Rondo, and you got Chris Paul, Demarcus Cousin. Basically, it's um, people not knowing who we're talking about necessarily is like they take a sports feud and just tell you, like, just it's kind of like a like a little mini ten minute doc, you know, about it, and um, it's pretty great, quite frankly. They have that one. They have another show called uh, Rewinder, where they just like look back on a moment in sports, like they did one about. Um, the 2000 dunk contest in Oakland, which was the um, Vince Carter dunk contest. Um, the one I really liked, they had this like four episode thing that was like a serious documentary they made out of it called um, Pay, uh, Foul Play, Paid in Mississippi. Um, Steph, I sent that to you. You should definitely watch it. It's about uh, Laramie Tunsil. If you guys remember, that was the NFL draft guy who was supposed to go like number what? Top two, top three. That's a left tackle. Yeah. The one where, like, right before the draft started, someone went on his Twitter account and put a picture or put a video of him smoking out of a gas mask bong. 
I know. You think we I remember that? plummeted this guy's draft status. Yeah, and it was just like they, they, they like that was just like the ice tip of the iceberg about like it was a whole thing about Ole Miss and Mississippi State and how the NCAA covered part of this because like covered up a bunch of it because they didn't want the whole thing to get unraveled. It was honestly, it's a really good YouTube channel. It's um, SB Nation. Um, oh, they have another series called The Worst, like the worst coaching hire. The best, or like, you know, there's one of the best. Ah, it's just really well done. Um, you should definitely check it out, considering SB Nation. Well, this is all we got left now that MMA fighting is circling the drain. Um, uh, I would agree. I've watched a whole bunch of those uh, SB Nation beef history over the last two so weeks. They're so good. Okay, yeah. so yeah, they've been pushing them big time recently because I'm getting them too. The Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger one is a good one. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Uh, the Chris Webber with Jalen Rose, Barry Bonds versus Jeff Kent. That was a good one. A really oh, good I, one. I, I like the Barry Bonds, Jeff Kent one because the whole time all of us are like, Jeff Kent's just racist, right? Right? <laughs> that was our assumption. <laughs> uh, not just that. Barry Bonds is an asshole. Part so of I, I would co-sign your, uh, your SB Nation one. Um, and real quick, um, this Saturday at the exact same time, as the UFC's uh, ESPN card, I'm saying exact same time. The main card starts up with the same main card as this, as this event is All Elite Wrestling's second event, uh, Fighter Fest, which is taking place at um, Community Effort Orlando, aka CEO. Um, Marcus, you probably can give a description of what exactly CEO is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't follow CEO as closely, but essentially it is a uh, one of the bigger, not the biggest, but one of the bigger fighting game tournaments, and they have ties to independent wrestling. Uh, basically, from my understanding is the night before they kind of do the fighting game tournament, they'll have an indie show and get their ring all set up. They basically leave the ring and then they do the fighting game tournament in the ring, and then the competitors for the fighting game tournament get to have a little pro wrestling-esque entrances and get to kind of ham it up and have fun like that but uh yeah i don't fall i mean really i don't follow uh the you know the well, game community super close and evo is the big one that everyone watches but ceo is one of those kind of offshoots that has this weird pro wrestling tie to it well check this out so um michael nakazawa stefan's favorite professional wrestler is taking on alex jabaley and alex jabaley is the s- creator of ceo that's he's the guy putting the thing of it together and he's trained for like a year to wrestle michael nakazawa at this thing in a hardcore match um this whole show is free by the way it is on br live which i hope has a roku app at minimum it's probably got a chromecast chromecast thing going on um really excited to see johnny Mo- john moxley take on joey janela Bobby, is that match still happening yeah because I was watching a thing, and he said he tore his Achilles when he was practicing his finishing move. Oh, that was la- – oh, uh, Bailey, he tore it before. They wanted to do this last year. Oh, but now – now. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. say, I-, I know you're not a pro wrestler, but the missile dropkick is your finishing move. Lame. Well, he's a big dude, too. What kind of missile dropkick are you throwing, man? Um, the missile dropkick is never a finisher, Bobby. Um, I, uh, honestly, this is just a good show all around. Stefan, I know you got pretty excited about Darby Allen just because he gave just a hell of a promo. That was a hell of a promo. As a, as a fan of My Chemical Romance and emo goth kids from back in the day, that's essentially what this guy is, and I love it. Yeah, um, the best friends versus SoCal Uncensored versus Private Party should be a good time. Honestly, all these matches look pretty great on paper. Stefan's new favorite. Private Party, uh, the Street Profits. 
That's my, the vibe I get. They kind of are indie street profits. That's the general vibe. That's you know, for all we know, they I, can. I listen to their promo and then like they're like, we're a we're a party, and you want to hang out in this party. They're more of a lucha. I mean, on street profits jump around plenty. They don't have a guy mixing porridge. If they that's got, uh, they don't got the bowl mixing guy. That's they don't got the bowl mixing guy. Um. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks against the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kids gonna be nuts. It's honestly, if you got the slightest interest in pro wrestling, this is gonna be on for free. It's on the same time as that ESPN card. I don't know. Pull a laptop up. I'm gonna put two TVs up. I'm excited for it. And if nothing else, Yuka Sa- uh, Sakazaki, Stefan can get very excited about her again because she is awesome, and she's on this card as well. So, anyway, that's all I got this week. Um, go over to Mike. What do you got this week, brother? Yeah, for me, it was a movie I watched over the weekend. Uh, I had a choice between Men in Black, uh, no, MIB International. Uh, that was the uh, you know going favorite for me to watch. And then I got talked into watching another movie that I had not heard about until literally an hour before I went to watch the movie. And it was the Russian spy thriller Anna. I will tell you this, I was not expecting much from the movie. I mean, the trailer looked kind of cool. I thought, oh, maybe this will be like Atomic Blonde or uh, or the movie that uh, Scarlett Johansson was in that one time, uh, Lucy. I thought, oh, if, if it's as good as Lucy, who knows? Maybe, who knows what will happen. Uh, blown away from the movie within the first five minutes. Uh, incredible movie. As of right now, I will put it in top five movies i've seen so far in 2019 what who's who's in this movie nobody you know is it in english yes it's called anna well well, it depends do you know who luke evans is yeah really yeah well shit all right well luke evans is in this movie oh and uh of course helen mirren yeah helen mirren's in this movie yeah she's awesome in this movie oh helen mirren just happens to be in it huh Okay. This is wait, wait. This is a this is a Luke Besson movie. That guy directed the professional. I know what kind of movie we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I had heard this was like the Lafemme Nikita guy, and so I was like, okay, I got an idea what this movie is. This Mike, movie can has I? Has a tons of. Yes. I, I want to ask you a question, and you, you you opened your segment with I had a couple choices. <laughs> was Toy Story four not part of this conversation? <laughs> no. Because really, for me, I was like. I might see Child's Play that got horrible reviews. Like, well, Mike, just... was this a date? Oh, that's a good question. Yes, it was. Okay, okay. okay there we go. That I still think Toy Story's on the table, but okay, I sure. You don't want to cry with your date. It's too early to cry with your date. And uh, kudos to the date for insisting on Anna, because throughout the movie, I just kept saying, you made the right choice. All right, Thank all right. you. Very good, very good. Um. Oh, and... I... Uh, no, Toy Story 4 was not even on uh, the block, was not even a choice, because in my head, the Toy Story franchise ended with Toy Story 3. I cried my ass off when Andy was uh, introducing all his toys to that little girl. I don't need to see anymore. I can respect that, Mike. Did anybody see Toy Stories 4? I, I did oh, not. Like I said, out. I was looking at you, Stefan. <laughs> I have a bunch of things to talk about. It's not Toy Story 4, though. <laughs> I saw I saw three other movies that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Was okay. Toy Story four on the docket for you, Steph? It is, um, but next weekend because my little baby niece is going to be in town. I'm waiting. Right. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the one who's going to enjoy it the most. Yo, there was a transporter series. I'm looking at Luke Besson's filmography. That was a missed opportunity. If it was, it should be an animated series. That's what the transporter should be. Um, Mike, you got anything else this week? 
No, I just wanted to give Anna its uh, just props. Okay, I want to see. I want to look at Anna's uh, Rotten Tomato score. It's weird. We'll when I what... saw the trailers for Anna, I was like, "Man, they should really just slap on Tekken on the front of this and make Woo! it the best video game movie." Because that's literally the character she plays. Is there's literally a character named Anna who's an assassin, and there's also Nina, her sister, who's more well known. They really could have done either of those name swaps, and it would have perfectly worked in this movie. But oh well. I like this critic review: twenty nine percent. Ooh, audience score: eighty percent. You know why? <laughs> Because Luke Besson movies are a good fucking time. All right? Oh, yeah. A lot. Kill- Killian Murphy's in this movie as well. Yeah, he's uh, he was Scarecrow, right? From yep, uh, Batman? Right. Yeah. Also, dude from 28 Days Later. I was going to say, I don't know his name, but 28 Days Later is a good zombie movie. Well, he was in that other movie where he was on the plane with Rachel McAdams. I Red forgot Eye what it was called. Or something there it like is. That. There it is. Yeah. Um, I didn't know Aubrey Plaza's in Child's Play, by the way. That's, That's what what's learned. pulling me towards Child's Play. I never Just liked Chucky as a horror series. It did not do anything for me. If anything, it kind of freaked me out. I was a kid who liked toys. I don't want a movie about Yo, something. when I was a child, Chucky was a Chucky was a problem. I remember seeing yeah. that on TV. I'm like, he oh, was fuck you. Size when we were children. Like, yeah, man, I was like eight. That's what I can never get on. It's like, dude, I'm not going down from no doll, okay? No doll is getting the doll. The doll had a, me, had a chicken knife. The doll had a chicken, a chicken kitchen knife. And hey man, I was like eight or nine when I saw that thing. I'm, yeah, okay, I'm with you there. He's getting he's getting one stab in, and I'm chucking Chucky across the room. Ma- Mark, Mark, you were, uh, Mark, Mark, you were fat I'm... like me. We were not going to get away from Chucky. We would have killed both of us. Mark, I, not I have, to, I have to agree with you, Mark. Chucky was like Chucky's not even like a child size thing. Chucky no. is a doll. Chucky is like two feet tall. How Yo, in the world am I expected yeah. to believe he's... that his move is always to hamstring? Hamstring a uh, 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 an able-bodied adult and kill them? Come on, man! He, he was gonna he was gonna he was gonna cut your Achilles and cut your head off. That's what would have happened to you, Mike. Just letting you know. That's how it would have. I would have punted that little shit halfway across the room. With which leg? What are your legs to be done already from the Achilles? <laughs> how are you gonna hop on that other leg? How are you gonna get any balance? All I, know, all I hear is I the I hubris. Uppercut, I think I could uppercut the doll. I don't even need my legs. All right. This is the I, hubris. Yo, this, could, is, this is how you Chucky, die in the movie, Mike. You're too Chucky, confident. Yeah, Chucky could cut both of my Achilles. I can still take. Chucky. Oh yeah, we got a horror movie. We got the brown guy talking shit, and it's a horror movie. Mike would have died in the. Mike would have died while the credits are still on the screen. Mike would have okay? died while he was giving this speech in the movie. Yeah. While he was saying all of this is when his when his uh, Achilles would get sliced, and he would realize what. Not even that. The the kitchen knife would just come through his chest because Chucky would have just jumped behind him and stabbed. You his realize ass. what's the secret weapon against Chucky? Get on uh. a table. That's there's, it. Like, I, I'm kidding. with you. There, there's a million ways to defuse the Chucky situation. I am not. Look, if you're going to make a horror film, I need to be scared of the horror aspect. And the little jo- doll has never done it for me. But let me let me throw this out there for Bobby and Stefan, who are kind of on the fence. What if I told you um, uh, the guy from Atlanta, the rapper? What's his name? Oh, I, uh, oh a paper boy. I know, I know paper boys in it. Paperboy's paper in it. Boys in it. Yeah. Not a bad guess. I, I, to, to preference this, though, when I started talking about Child's Play, I said it got horrible reviews, which basically negated my interest to see it as much. It's Most, not that bad. The thing is, when I was thinking about, like, what potential move am I going to see? Am I going to see Toy Story 4, which is, like, critically acclaimed, the best thing ever, even though I do agree with Mike. I mean, I think they should have stopped at the trilogy. They kind of wrapped that up nicely. I don't think they need to open it up again. But it seems like what happened was they open it up, and they just give us another fantastic movie, which Bob, Bobby's making the money fingers. But like our conversation here, 
nobody be seeing Toy Story because it don't do good this last weekend, which is kind of unfortunate. I mean, one one eighteen is not bad. It's not, be a lot high. Disney, it's like that's a failure. Man, by the way, I like Child's Play. Uh, critic score sixty two percent. Audience score sixty two percent. Oh, it passed. <laughs> it passed barely, and D is passing only on certain circumstances. Actually, um. I didn't know the fucking John, uh, Elton John movie came, came out. Mike, uh, Stefan, tell me what movies you saw this week. <laughs> uh, I had a big gamut in terms of uh, what's it called, uh, genres. But I'm going to end with the one that I am certain I will not convince any of you to see. So we'll work our way. I saw John Wick 2, slowly working my way to John Wick 3. <laughs> we're, we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Will it still be in theaters? Who knows? I'll let you guys know next week. Um, and then I finally got around to seeing Aladdin. Um you know, I, I chose that Disney one. I felt like I had more time for Toy Story. I don't know how much more Aladdin. Apparently, it, it made more a lot of money, and it did a lot better than they ex- projected it to do. I think it's hit like 800 worldwide. Uh, Aladdin's very near and dear to me. That's my Disney movie um, of like all the originals. So that that's the one for me. I so I know. I think Bob Lion King is yours. Uh, all of us who grew up on Disney, we got one right, and Aladdin has meant the most to me. So I had really, really high expectations and. You know what? It's not better in any single way, but it's fine. It's it's good. It's solid. If this is your first introduction, it's respectful. I'm not upset at it. I think they did a good job. I think Naomi Scott, who played Princess Jasmine, I think she's got a really like good future. I'm kind of interested in what type of uh, project she'll get coming out of this. Um, Will Smith, you had the toughest act to follow in the history of remakes, in my opinion, because Robin Williams as the genie, that's Robin Williams. Robin uh, Williams. Arguably the the greatest performance in a Disney animated movie ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Robin Williams got a lot of great hits, but he is the genie to me. And you know what? Will Smith, you acquitted yourself fine. You you He paid homage to uh, Robin Williams with certain jokes, but he did things that to make it his own, and it worked for me. Um, it's definitely one of the better things in the film. Um, so I saw it with that. Uh, the one I want to talk about is, you know, it's, it's a less fun one. It was absolutely devastating, but just one of the most quality films I've ever seen. Um, I saw a little independent film making the way around Cannes uh, Film Festival. Uh, it's called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, and as someone who's uh, Bay Area born and raised, uh, I, I remember this place very fondly as a child. I've seen how the tech industry, which I work for, has changed things here. Um, it's a very, very personal story. It's 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 not a love letter to San Francisco. It's a breakup letter to San Francisco. Um, and as someone who feels a lot of the themes of the movie, it sucks and it's sad and it's heartbreaking. And you think things will get better in this movie, and they just keep getting worse. Um, but it's that said, it's a beautiful movie. Um, I'm not the most like I, I like technical aspects of film. But I would never say I'm a cinephile with a deep appreciation of cinematography and score. But in this movie, I really could tell those things. The, the shots they took. Um, maybe it's just because I feel so familiar with this city and I recognize all these streets. Um, but it was beautiful. Uh, the soundtrack is amazing. There is a cover of just a random street performer with a beautiful voice in San Francisco um, to uh, that classic hippie song that, for those who come to San Francisco. Um, to remember where you're flying your hair. It's uh, Bobby as a fairy. Just listen to that song, even without even seeing the movie. It's just hauntingly beautiful. Um, Brad Pitt's company they picked it up at cons to give it wider distribution, and that's how it ended up being on screens here in the Bay Area. I don't know what kind of play it's going to get across the nation, um, but if you have a chance to see it, 
and you just respect like artistically beautiful films it's it's something good but i understand it's going to be a long shot for people and it's not going to have that personal notes for everyone but um truly one of the most beautiful films i've ever seen yeah stefan making reference to the song san francisco by scott mckenzie the thing scott mckenzie will be known of for forever if he's alive even if he's not that's that's his thing if you're going to san francisco be sure to be wear flowers in your hair uh just putting this out there the three of us who live near each other we're seeing stuber right like come on now we're seeing stuber like be, what are we be careful bobby because he has another movie which looks almost exactly like stuber except you replace camille namjiani with a little girl but otherwise somehow the plot is identical i mean you, batista's in both of them yes you, guys, you, you realize i called this movie out right yeah, I know, and your yeah. cousin was embarrassed. Your cousin, I was yeah, interested. yeah, no, I'm in. I am 100 percent in, man. I ever since uh, Kumail was at WrestleMania holding up a like a giant sign saying Dave Batista's my emergency contact. I'm like, I'm in for this. I mean, his whole <laughs> giant size five XL white T-shirt just had a giant print of Batista's face on it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in for Kumail. Because let me tell you, I don't care who you are. Nobody thought Dave Batista was going to have this level of success in film. Okay, just nobody thought it. All right, just so I remember like really when Gar- he found a really great calling in like comedic action acting. The greatest Filipino wrestler ever, Dave Batista. That's all we got. I'm just saying. He, I, I mean, I don't know. None of these guys in the Rock's family are even a little Filipino. Stefan, come on, man. It's <laughs> no. possible. We're a very muddy people. Um. Before I go to Mark, did anybody see the Rock uh, get an award from MTV? Uh, I forgot what award show they do there. It has but to the be Rocks, movie awards, right? Yeah, probably, singles. Well, they gave him some like lifetime achievement or whatever the fuck they call it there. They gave him a golden popcorn. And I saw that The Rock uh, said, uh, someone told me a long time ago, um, fuck, now I lost the line. God damn it. He'd never be anything and to give up. That's probably something along those lines, right? <laughs> Ah, uh, fuck me. Someone, Someone say something for me. Someone told me a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Dwayne, this sap guy is better than you, so why don't you go take a seat? God, you fuck you both. <laughs> Was it not? Uh, <laughs> Someone didn't just dog him for Bob Sapp? Which well, I'm a dog, The Rock fan. Do you guys remember when he had an unironic like, Twitter fight with someone? Where someone was like, Rock, you always play the same exact role. But he non-ironically defended, like, no, this guy's a special agent. This guy's a cop. He was, like, just listing things that are like, yeah, but you play them the same is the point, Rock. They are technically different characters, but you play, you don't, you don't make up your tattoos. You got the Brahma Bull, you got the Samoan yeah, Rock, Rock plays himself in different job occupations, and it's mostly kind of special forces kind of do. I fucking love the Rock, all right? I mean, we don't um, this was a line. He said, it's nice to be important. It's even more important to be nice. And I was like, man, I just... That's some good fucking advice, man. Um, People's Champ, The Rock, won an award. And I, yeah, anyway, Mark, what do you got this week? Yeah, games, games, games. Uh, I want to mention first that I've been continuing to put time into Days Gone, and I have been thoroughly enjoying that game. I've mentioned it multiple times as it came out almost a couple months ago at this point. But um, the more I unravel this story, I'm still not convinced that the writing is particularly strong, but... This studio had ideas on what they want to do with the story, and they had a lot of them, and they're pretty intriguing. They do a really good job just kind of leading you along. Um, and I've, and the other aspects of the game, you know, as the progression and um, traversal and kind of the new... A lot of it is just... I, 
for me, narr- strong narrative game uh, games just speak to me and drive me to play them more. And I've just been really enjoying myself with Days Gone. That's not to say that the reviews aren't accurate, that it has a lot of technical issues. Um, that could bar some people from enjoying the game. You know, frame rate drops a lot. There, there are some... I haven't gotten any crashes or a lot of bugs, but um, yeah, I, just, I just really want to give a shout-out to Days Gone, which I'm slowly wrapping up. I'll probably finish it up um, this next week. But oddly enough, for June... Uh, and the summer is usually a really dry spell for quality games. This week is fire hot, and I got a shit ton of stuff I'm super excited to dive into. Um, and namely, coming out when you guys are hearing this, uh, the return of Samurai Showdown is making its debut, or its reawakening on Xbox One, PC, and PS4. This is a classic uh, SNK Neo Geo uh, jam from back in the day that I was a really big fan of. I never put a ton of time into any of the titles, um, but always just love the um, the aura and the kind of vibes that game came off. Super Japanese um, weapon-based combat. What I always liked about it is they really made the swords feel like swords. If you get hit with a heavy attack in this game, it could damn near take half your health off. So um, it's a very different type of fighting game where it's not nearly as dependent on big combo strings, um, but mostly just timing and precision, which I think is really cool. Um, another game from the studio that made the Yakuza zero series uh, Judgment comes out on Tuesday as well. And this is kind of them revamping that type of game into a new storyline with a new main character, which I think is really smart. Um, I- I've talked about the Yakuza series before. It's kind of an open world gangster-esque type of game. Um, but what it was running into is that's a long-running series, which just ended at 6 and for a lot of people, it's just like, where do I jump in? Do I have to play all five of these first games before I can get to the sixth one? And Judgment is just kind of a clean slate. You're playing as a different character in the same city. You're a um, ex-lawyer who's now a detective, and you kind of do some crime uh, crime solving along the way, but lots of you know beat-em-up action uh, that the Yakuza series is famous for, so looking forward to that. Uh, this third game that's coming out on Tuesday is more of a wild pick, not something I would necessarily recommend to a lot of people unless you're really into lovecraft and cthulhu um this game's called the sinking city this is made from a smaller indie dev who made a lot of the sherlock holmes games and what's really cool about this game or is really intriguing is that it's it's also an open world game uh but there there's a lot less hand holding so you will be picking up side missions or clues and the clues will be just that they'll have some kind of clue that you should go to this street in this corner and check shit out. Um, there's no markers on the map. The game's not telling you how to do things. You kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Um, that being said, it is a smaller development uh, team. The game definitely looks like it has a lot of jank around it, but it also looks really appealing. Um, and my wife is super into Lovecraft. I've kind of dabbled. I never read any of the books or anything, but I think it's a cool concept. So I'm really interested in giving that one a shot. I think it could be kind of a, a dark darling. What is it for? Uh, that one's for, I think it's for Xbox, PS4, PC. Um, but yeah, it, it, I haven't played it. I, Wait, I mean, it's, it's got jank and it's got it's a little janky and it has no switch. It's not for switch. No, I don't. Yeah, not, not there hasn't been any talk about a switch port. Because I, I assume switch. I assume if we're gonna have some jankiness to a game, it ends up on switch. Would, That's my general assumption. It would just be jankier on switch, I imagine. Um, and it might be. You know, I'm not totally sure, Bob. I should check that out because now that I'm thinking about it, they might have they might have shown the sinking city on the um switch press conference for e3 so yeah i'm not sure maybe it is coming out on switch not totally sure about that there is i would recommend this game coming out on friday that's coming on the switch more so than the sinking city um mario maker 2 is coming out and this was a really sequel to a really fun title that came out on the um you know unfortunately very unpopular wii u and it is what it sounds like basically um you have a set of tools to make your own mario levels um in the guise of mario one three world 
New Super Mario Brothers, and I think even New Super Mario Brothers 3D World. So they have different kind of templates that you can play with, but what's really cool is just being able to simply and really quickly and easily make quality Mario levels and then sharing those online with other people. Uh, my, my concerns is being able to find quality um, levels that people make. I know the first game had a lot of auto-scroll levels where you basically jump on a platform and it says, just stand here. And this platform would do all this crazy shit and you'd almost get hit by all this stuff, but you really just don't really play anything. And my concern is just finding quality um, levels on there, but just seeing all the tools you have. I'm and I'm usually not that type of person to make my own levels, but I'm kind of excited. Just like, you know what? Let me try making my own level. I, I kind of have an idea of what would make a fun kind of generic Mario level, and I want to try making one out and testing it out and see what other people make. And hopefully I can find some good stuff. The cream hopefully rises to the top, but not for sure. Marcus, um, I've never used any of the Mario Maker games before. Do you have like a template or you just go in there like raw? I'm going to put this here. That I mean, can you like have a base you can start with and mess around with it? How's it work? I usually start from scratch. And this was on the Wii U. So much like the Switch, you had a tablet. And that was kind of the key. And a lot of people thought like, I don't know how you're going to get it to work on the Switch because to have it in handheld mode, you can't play it on the screen. Um, but that's probably the easiest way to do it with a stylus. So by really what you would do is you have the beginnings of a Mario level, just a flat surface, and then you could raise it up, put blocks. And basically you have all these options. You want to add an enemy. Here's all the enemies from all these different games. And what's really cool for someone who has really been into Mario is that they've made new sprites for different enemies that weren't in those games. So there's enemies that you can put in a Mario the original Mario Brothers game that weren't in the original. They basically created new enemies and powers and abilities specifically for this game which i think is really intriguing you can go to mario world and put enemies you've never seen before but yeah you're basically starting from scratch i think what you could if you wanted a base you could download other people's levels like if you find one online that you like but you want to tweak you can take their level and then edit it and tweak it and make it your own um but yeah it's just it was i was a little on the fence uh, about getting this game because my big worry is just that i'm gonna get it and it's like where's the good levels? Like, where's a good level that's not insanely difficult, nearly impossible to beat, that's just fun to kind of play through like a classic Mario level would be? And my fear is that, like, I can't find that and I just drop off this game really quick. Honestly, watching uh, Nintendo's Treehouse at E3 go through, like, the designing process of this game, I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be fun. This looks really cool. I'm really interested in this. So um, I'm going to be giving it a shot, but like you, um, and a lot of people didn't have a Wii U didn't get to experience the first Mario Maker. So it'll be interesting just to see, you know, what people come up with and, and honestly, what I might come up with, with myself. So, you know, if, if I get really into it, maybe I'll share my extremely stupid level code because they don't have, you can't just look me up and find my levels. I have to give you like a 13 digit code. You have to fucking search to find it. Ugh. Some of the shit Nintendo does is just so ass backwards, but still looking forward to Mario Maker too. All right. Um, I think. That's it for this week. Um, not a long show for you guys. Um, but shit, man, there was a lot of fights. And we had to pick some fights. Um, we'll be back next week. I'm pretty excited to talk about this uh, John Jones card. I was telling Steph earlier today how um, MMA for me at this point is I just kind of look to the pay-per-views. Because it gives me... I like looking forward to this. And I treat these other cards as just whatever's on TV. It gives me an event to look forward to. So after this one, I'm sure there's another pay-per-view I can get excited for. And Steph, you know, when you have, I mean, there's so many fights on TV, you kind of just like, this is like, you look for things to look forward to, then kind of just, the rest just kind of happen. And this card is worth looking forward to next weekend. I mean, we're going to get some John Jones magic. 
Mike, I'll give you points. Whatever fictional yeah, props Mike, you want what, to take. Santos. What do you want? Yeah, what kind of uh, magic do you want to take please, Santos? Here? I'll give Mike the tiebreaker if he wants to take Santos in this one. Um, yeah, this could be fun. John Jones is a special treat. Whether he's you know doing something amazing in the cage or being a zany ass character outside of it, uh, we'll get something from this. He's just special. He's just special. And uh, I saw that uh, someone put a graphic up of what who were the champions last time Matt Wyman had fought. You know who was still a fucking light heavyweight champion? John Goddamn Jones. Um, there were even there weren't even there weren't even three other weight classes for the women. There was only the one. It was Ronda. Ha- all these other champions don't even half of them don't even fight anymore. John Jones, man, and he said he wants to fight twice. I think he said he wants to fight two more times this year, and then three time. I mean, one more time after this fight, and then three fights in 2020. He's really said he's trying to make up for lost time. Well, tiebreaker so, um, tie, tie prop for you, Mark. Does he pass all his drug tests? Mm, I gotta no, say, he, he doesn't have. Wait, wait, he doesn't have to. Wait, wait that's not the question because he probably won't. But <laughs> he got picograms and shit. Um, mm, are they point. gonna stop? Are they gonna stop him from fighting for any reason in these drug tests? That's the question. Give me a week. I'll tell you next week. Yeah, I mean, now that I'm all excited, watch some shit go down. Um, I'm excited to see the uh, Amanda Nunes Holly home fight because I think that's going to be a that's going to be an interesting matchup. It's hard to pick against Amanda Nunes this time these days, but you know they asked Holly home to fight another unbeatable champion one time, and she got it done. Um, all right, guys, we'll be back next week. Um, the boys here have to walk their dogs and go to sleep. Thank you all for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Um, we're like 340 episodes in. Still have a good time doing this. Um, hope you guys enjoy listening to it. So I was Dr. Law. Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Lavender Gooms was here. We'll be back next week. Peace out. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.